Okay, the third reading comes from Judges 9, 22 to 57. Shechem rebels against Abimelech. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in this treachery of murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gol, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained the confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely and everyone began cursing Abimelech. Who is Abimelech? Gol shouted. He's not a true son of Shechem, so why should we be his servants? He's merely the son of Gideon, and this Zebul is merely his deputy. Serve the true sons of Hammer, the founders of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I would get rid of Abimelech. I would say to him, get some soldiers and come out and fight. But when Zebul... The leaders of the city heard what Gol was saying. He was furious. He sent messages to Abimelech in Aramah, telling him, Gol's son of Ebek and his brothers have come to live in Shechem, and now they are inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and hide out in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it is daylight, attack the city. When Gol and those who are with him come out against you, you can do, as, do with them as you wish. So Abimelech and all his men went by night and split into four groups, stationed themselves around Shechem. Gol was standing in, at the city gate when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gol saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, It's just the shadows on the hills. That looks like men. But again, Gol said, no, people are coming down from the hills and another group is coming down the road past the diviner's oak. Then Zebul turned on him and asked, now, where is that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you that said, who is Abimelech and why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. So Gol led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech. But Abimelech chased him, and many of Shechem's men were wounded and fell along the road as they retreated to the city gate. Abimelech returned to Aramah, and Zebul drove Gol and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out into the fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from behind their hiding place and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gates to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields. The battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, levelled the city, and scattered salt all over the ground. 
When the leading citizens who lived in the Tower of Shechem heard what, was hap- heard what had happened, they ran and hid in the temple of Baal Bereth. Someone reported to Abimelech that the citizens had gathered in the temple. So he led his forces to Mount Zalmond. He took an axe and chopped some branches from a tree, then put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I have done, he told his men. So each of them cut down some branches. Following Abimelech's example, they piled the branches against the wall of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who had lived in the Tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Thebes and captured it. But there, were, there was a strong tower inside the town, and all the men and women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to, the, to attack the tower. But as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the top dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armour-bearer, "'Draw your sword and kill me. "'Don't let it be that that a woman killed Abimelech.' "'So the young man ran him through with his sword, and he died. "'When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, "'they disbanded and returned to their homes. "'In this way, God punished Abimelech "'for the evil he had done against his father "'by murdering his 70 brothers. "'God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil.' So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. Oh, this is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everybody. And uh, it's time, as they say, for this, the sermon, which uh, I'm going to cover uh, the, whole, the whole chapter, really. We started reading uh, about halfway through or some such, but I'm going I'm to cover the whole uh, chapter. And there's um, some sermon notes here for you to fill in. Now, uh, a little bit different to Jodie. All the answers don't appear one by one, but if you keep listening with your pen in your hand... The answers will come up as I talk along. You'll see what's coming up next. And they're mostly, uh, what they say, proper nouns. They're names of cities or people's names and so on. That's mostly what goes in those spaces. And very nice reading uh, from Annette. Uh, she called the guy Abimelech. Uh, we don't know exactly how it's pronounced. I, I don't speak Hebrew, same as you. I'm g- so in the sermon, I'm going to say, call him Abimelech anyway. Just a diff- it's the same guy. Yes, the same guy, Abimelech or Abimelech. So we're talking about the same guy. Um, this is the son from hell. Well, uh, last week we had the story of um, Gideon. You'll remember this with his uh, horn and the torch that everybody had. And uh, the situation in that story is that because Israel was not faithful to God... God allowed the Midianites, this is last week's uh, talk, to invade them and overcome them and take the food from the land. So Israel cried out to God for help and God raised up a man from the town of uh, Ophrah, which is not Oprah, Winfrey, but Ophrah, a man called Gideon, who 
You remember the story after some prompting by God finally got down to business and he defeated the Midianites with his 300 men, the trumpets that they made from ram's horns and the fiery torches. And you'll remember from last week that God did it this way and not some other way so that everyone would get the obvious point uh, that it had been God and not really Gideon who saved Israel. Uh, But even so, the Israelites offered Gideon to make him king. And so uh, Gideon said, when the Israelites said to Gideon, be our ruler, you and your sons and grandsons will be our rulers because you've rescued us from Midian, uh, Gideon, it turns out, refused his offer. So uh, my sermon in the sort of classical Anglican sermon is under three points. Uh, Refer to your notes at this point and get your pen uh, ready. And the idea here is that since, God has sa- uh, since Gideon has saved Israel, the people reckon that Gideon should be appointed king, but Gideon knows who really did it. It was God. So he said, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. So God will stay as king, apparently, in Israel. And this, of course, was the whole idea of having judges. It was that God was the true king of Israel, but he would act through the ministry of each individual judge to save and lead his people. So each of those judges was a one-off ruler. Uh, Your son didn't become judge when you died, and then his son after him and so on, because that would be like having a king in Israel. And when Gideon said that his son would not rule over him, uh, however, it was going to be to turn out to be a case of famous last words, because... What Gideon didn't want uh, apparently came true. So having spoken thus and refused the kingship, Gideon retired to live out his days back in his hometown uh, of Ophrah. He accumulated lots of wives. He had a total of 70 sons. So I'd say probably had 10 or a dozen or 15 or something wives maybe. They also had a lady friend, it's not a married wife, but he had a lady friend over in a town called Shechem who bore him one son. And this is Abimelech, uh, the main guy in today's story. If we have a look at uh, a map of Israel, Abimelech is operating in, mid, in the middle of Israel. So I can see up here uh, Shechem, it's in green there. Two mountains, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ephraim, Mount Elam and Mount uh, Gerizim. They were the two places where the Israelites could stand to deliver God's blessing, Mount Gerizim, or deliver, deliver God's cursing. And that's probably the mountain where that Jotham guy hops up and delivers his curse. And then, I couldn't find a map that had opera. It's down here. So it looks to be about a day or two, two trip away. That's where he had to go to get those, um, get those 70 sons bumped off. So that's roughly where we are. We're in, the, we're in the middle of Israel. Now, Abimelech, the word means uh, Abbey, my father, Melech, king. My father is king. So although Gideon said, I'm not a king, his son was called, my father is king. But Gideon, though he'd said he didn't want to be a king, 
he did act the way uh, kings carried on in those days, with a huge number of wives, taking instant revenge on his enemies, like the guy at the wine press and so on, that sort of stuff. So Gideon said, no, I don't want to be king, but he's got a son called my father is king and he was kind of acting like a king. So it's a little bit, was he a king or not? He was kind of acting like one. Well, going on with the story today, uh, down there in Ophrah, Gideon died. And blow me down if Israel didn't go after another god. This other god was called Baal Bereth. Baal was the all-purpose name of the pagan god who was worshipped in the land of Canaan. And this is before the Israelite conquest under Moses and Joshua. They had a god down there called Baal anyway. As we've seen in these sermons on judges, the Israelites failed to drive out the former inhabitants of the land. Thus, some of the old Canaanites still lived amongst them. And so the worship of the old gods, like Baal, continued also amongst them. And Israel had a tendency just to add Baal to their worship. Or even worse, to replace their god, the god of Exodus, with Baal. And just as Abimelech's name has an important meaning, being, my father is the king, so also the name of this god is important because Baal Bereth means the lord of the covenant. So this means that the people at Shechem were reckoning that this local pagan god, Baal Bereth, was the real lord of the covenant, showing that this local Baal was supplanting the real god the Lord of the Exodus, the God who made the covenant with them on Mount Sinai, they're calling this local pagan God, Baalbury. This is the real Lord of the covenant. Let's get rid of God. So the town of Shechem was a place where the God of Abraham, the God of the Exodus, was being rejected and replaced by Baal Bereth. And previously, as we've looked at the different judges, we've been fighting against some external army coming to fight them. But now you've probably noticed that now we've got internal fighting. It's Israelite against Israelite. So virtually a descent into civil war in Israel is taking place. So just to put where are we in history, a little bit of a timeline here. Around about the year 2000 BC, Israel started with the patriarchs like Abraham and Jacob and so on. Then something like 1500 to 1300 BC, we have Egypt and the Exodus, and that's Moses and Joshua. Then we have something like 1200 to 1050 BC, the judges lead Israel. So for a couple of hundred years, this sort of period goes on in the land. And then they're fairly firm with 1050 is King David. He's the first true king, then Solomon. Then you get the division, don't you, into the north and the south. They fight against each other. So we see that this Abimelech guy who made himself king, he became king too early. It was still the period of the judges. And down in that map, in the town of Ophrah, which is a good day or two's journey, uh, that he had his 70 sons. So he had one son, uh, Gideon had one son up at Shechem, that's Abimelech, and about 70 sons down at Ophrah. And I told you before... Part 
middle part of Israel. Now we started, this is point two, we're up to point two in the sermon now, the sun from hell. Now we started reading at verse 22, but this is what has happened just before verse 22. The story so far goes like this. Abimelech, who was a son of Gideon and his lady friend in Shechem, rocked up in Shechem one day where he had been born, where his mother lived, and he did the rounds of his uncles, who of course his mother's brothers, and he put a broad idea to them. He said, why don't you guys ask around the leading citizens in this town to see which they would prefer? Do they want the 70 sons of Gideon from down in Ophrah to make themselves king? Or would you prefer to have just one person as your king, me? So click on. And don't forget, I'm a local from Shechem here. And those 70 sons are from down in Ophrah, whereas I'm the, I'm the, like, I'm the Shechem guy here. So, so the decision was made. Let's have Abimelech as our new king. They got some money together, and Abimelech used the money to hire a bunch of troublemakers, and they sallied forth down to uh, Ophrah to exterminate the 70 sons, who were, of course, Abimelech's rivals. And they managed okay, except the youngest of the 70 escaped, the slaughter. And this is a guy called Jotham. I'm not following my, my notes that you, I've given you. He's probably there at the moment, but Jotham's probably is a, a, a name to fill in there. So Abimelech returned in triumph to Shechem and was duly crowned king. But Jotham didn't disappear from the scene just yet. He went up to Mount Gerizim and he took on the role of a prophet. And he spoke in what looks like a parable. If Jesus had said it, we'd, we'd say this is a parable. Uh, the Old Testament people call this oh, Jotham's fable, so I've I've kept going there because that's what my slide turned out like. And he talked about trees, three trees which didn't want to become king. You know, one was a fig tree and it said, no, I'd rather stay producing figs, which is more useful. No, I'd rather keep producing grapes because, no, I don't want to be king, that sort of thing. But the fourth tree, when it was offered, the fourth tree did. And it was a thorn bush, a bramble bush, same word translated as thorn bush in our Bibles. And he's obviously calling Abimelech a worthless thorn bush who became king who wouldn't be able to offer any decent shelter to anyone. And the moral of Jotham's prophetic parable is that if the, he says, if the leaders of Shechem have done the right thing by Gideon, by being part of the slaughter of the 70 sons less one, well and good. He said, I hope you have a prosperous time with Abimelech as your new king. But if you've not acted in good faith to Gideon, and it's obvious they haven't, then may fire come out of Abimelech and destroy you, and may Abimelech himself be destroyed also by fire. Well, it wasn't quite by fire, you know, they hurled a huge rock down on him, but anyway. And then Jotham did the wisest thing. He cleared right out and lived somewhere else. We don't hear of him again. So Abimelech became the first ever king in Israel. And maybe things went okay for the first three years. Uh, they weren't meant to have a king yet, you remember from the timeline I showed you. But anyway, things probably went along for okay for a few years. But then God was going to do something to make Jotham's prophecy about Abimelech come and fire come true. In verse 23 of our passage, 
God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem and they revolted. So the honeymoon was over. Probably they got disillusioned with Abimelech. He was probably likely to be strutting around and making himself somewhat grandiose as the new king. But our Bible text shows us that behind the scenes it was God at work, that God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble. Now, why did God cause trouble? Well, Abimelech was evil. He killed the 70 brothers, less the one that got away, and God wasn't going to let this evil stand unpunished. So he sent a spirit to cause trouble between Abimelech and the people who had initially supported his murderous campaign to become king. The former friends now became his enemies. The men of Shechem set up an ambush to to trap Abimelech. But Abimelech was tipped off and it came to nothing. And then, as we read on in verse 26, some real bad guys showed up in town. And we're probably on safe ground if we think this is an extension of the, of the spirit at work that's still causing trouble for Abimelech. In verse 26, one day, uh, Gael, I'll, I'll pronounce him as Gael to rhyme with Baal over in the, the, the Baal Barith, the false prophet. One day, Gael, son of Ebed, moved into Shechem with his brothers and gained the confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. And one day they were drinking and carousing and they began to badmouth King Abimelech. Who is Abimelech? Gael shouted. He's not a true son of Shechem. Uh, It's true that maybe Abimelech's mother comes from Shechem, but of course his father, Gideon, isn't from Shechem. So why should we be his servants? He's he's merely the son of Gideon. And this Zebul, this guy who's in town, he's merely his deputy. He does whatever he's told. Serve the true sons of Hamer, he goes, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? Now, Hamor, if you're interested, he's the guy who founded the town of Shechem because the town of Shechem goes way back to the days of Abraham. You can read about Hamor in Genesis chapter 33 and verse 19, if you like, how the town was. So it goes way, way back, hundreds of years. So Gael wants to reassert Shechem's independence. So we've always been independent. Now this king's taken us over. Let's get rid of him. Zebul's the present-day governor, presumably Abimelech's deputy in Shechem, appointed by Abimelech to keep an eye out that everyone in Shechem is loyal to Abimelech and Gael wants to get rid of Abimelech. So that brings us to the third point. I hope you're rattling along and filling in the spaces. Jotham's prophecy comes true. When Zebul heard about Gael and his outburst, he sent a message to Abimelech to show up with his fighting men. Uh, Verse 33 to 38, So Abimelech and all his men went by night, they travelled to Shechem, they split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gael was standing at the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gael saw them, he said to Zebul, look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, it's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. 
But again, Gail said, no, people are coming down from the hills and another group's coming down the road past the Diviner's Oak. And then Zebol turned to me and said, oh, where's that big mouth of yours now? Wasn't it you that said who was Abimelech and why she would be his servants? The men you mocked her right outside the city. They, they surrounded the city. They couldn't get out the gates. Go out and fight them. So Gail had to put his money where his mouth was. And off he went with the leaders of Shechem to fight. But Abimelech prevailed and won. Abimelech proceeded to slaughter as many people as he could. He and his men rampaged around knocking down walls and buildings. Anyone who was left in Shechem was obliged to retreat to the temple of Baal Bereth in the middle of Shechem. And they barricaded the doors. But Abimelech zipped over to Mount Zalmon in our Bible text which appears to be another name for Mount Ebal. You remember that's the mountain of cursing next door, where there was a good supply of trees, and he set fire to the temple of Baal Bereth. And on the sermon notes, we've missed in the middle column there, we've missed two lines. Abimelech proceeded to set for, uh, to kill as many people as could and burn down the temple of, and there, there should be two lines there, Baal Bereth. That's what fits in there to make, make that line make sense. I think you'll be able to see that if you look down. Now here's a uh, photo of this area today. You can see modern buildings there in the background which they put up. Uh, these are ruins which have been excavated in Shechem and they've been dated. They go back to the days of Abimelech. You can see the old and the new there. There's the, uh, the old down the front. That's not actually the, the temple they burnt down. It's some sort of a, a wall and maybe a bit of a ramp up to it, something like that. But that's, that's where it all happened. So Abimelech got his revenge on all the people of Shechem. And you might have noticed at the same time, God destroyed his rival god, Baal Bereth, because his temple got burnt. But apparently, Abimelech wasn't happy with all this. He went crazy with bloodlust, because off he goes to a town called Thebes, not told what the people did there to incur his wrath. But Abimelech figured that what had worked so well at Shechem would go down a treat at Thebes, and at Thebes, they already had a strong tower to retreat into when enemy, any enemy might be threatening the place. And the people of Thebes had barricaded themselves in when Abimelech and his men arrived. And he was on his way to the foot of the strong tower with an armful of wood to set it on fire when... Verse 53 to 55, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone. Can you see poor old Abimelech lying on his back with the blood coming out of him? It's a bit of a gruesome picture. It crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armour-bearer, draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran him through with his sword and he died. I think you've probably already noticed that the, the artists from uh, probably Renaissance days or something painted them in medieval armour, but I, have, I can only go with what I can pinch off the internet here. <laughs> it's not a big enough story in the Bible to get, get a more accurate pitch. Anyway, there they are in their medieval armour, finishing him off. Now, just like Jael, who was handy with the tent peg, remember her? This lady up in the tower knew how to get rid of a nuisance. Millstones were huge rounded stones for crushing the grain in the mill. That, the one that they've drawn there on the ground might, might be a little bit small, perhaps. 
this was the ultimate indignity for the man who wanted to be king, to be killed in battle by a woman. Thus God marked Abimelech down as the worthless thorn bush. Even though he got his armour bearer to finish him off, we can surely say that the score was the woman won and Abimelech nil. And so the prophecy of the youngest son Jotham came true. The people of Shechem were destroyed by fire for the part they played in the slaughter of the 70 less one. Remember they rounded up money so he could get a gang and go and kill them all when Abimelech was made king. And Abimelech wanted to set a fire but he was destroyed at the strong tower of Thebes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he'd done against his father by murdering his 70 brothers. It was 70 less one. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was... I don't know if it's going to say fulfilled. It's not, but it should say that. A word dropped off. It was fulfilled. Now, there you go. And there's the story. So what's the conclusion to all this? Abimelech took the kingship for himself. It was not a gift of God. Abimelech was a lawless man who ruled as he saw fit, not on behalf of God. It was God's prophecy through Jotham that Abimelech would be destroyed. The leaders of Shechem substituted baal Berith for the true God and they paid the penalty. So this messed up early attempt by one man... Uh, to make himself God's king ended in complete failure. Unless you also have loyalty to the covenant, that is, unless you have faithfulness to God, you cannot have a true king of God. For all his faults, when you finally get to the first king of Israel, for all his faults, King David was loyal to God and his covenant. You might remember they started off with Saul who would not be loyal to the covenant. He would not obey the covenant rules in the battle. But King David, for all his faults, was a covenant man. He was loyal to God and his covenant. But of course, especially Jesus is always faithful to God. And the contrast between Abimelech and Jesus could not be bigger. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honour and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.